Welcome to Miss V, the Storyteller Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who loves a good story. I believe in the power of stories and how they have the potential to change our lives for the better. On this podcast, I will bring you amazing stories and amazing guests. These stories will make you laugh, cry, think, heal, and in some cases, propel you into making new and better choices. So let's get started today with some stories. Welcome to Miss V, the Storyteller Podcast. You guys, you know, I try to go out and find the very best. I am so excited today because I, I don't think I've done this subject in a while, so I'm really excited about it. I want us to learn some things today, and we are going to do just that. So um, today we have Wally Miller with us, and she is going to tell us a little bit about herself. So Wally, please share with my listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, thank you so much for having me. So my name is Wally Miller, and I am a Latina, first-gen college graduate. I'm a daughter of an immigrant. I was born and raised in New York City, um, and I'm a first-gen millionaire. Uh, so today, I teach people how to earn, save, pay off debt, and invest, because now I'm a financial coach. Ooh, I love that, don't you? Did you hear the word millionaire? So I know if you're driving or if you're watching this, you are turned up. You're like, oh, wait a minute. Let me pull over because I want to hear this. So you know that I love stories and we use stories to help us to connect and learn something about the person. So Wally is going to share a personal story with you um, herself. And then I'll come back and share a little bit of a story myself. So Wally, what story are you going to share with us today? Sure. Um, so it would be great to say, like, I inherited money, I won the lottery, but that is not my story. And I think most people that isn't our stories. Um, so my story really begins when I had like this money transformation. Um, in my mind, I thought I was good with money um, because I tried to really stay out of credit card debt. I did have student loans and I had a car note. Um, but, you know, as we graduate high school, go to college mm -hmm. and start entering into the workforce and making a little bit more money, as my income increased, so did my spending. So essentially, in my 20s, I was sort of like living paycheck to paycheck. I was putting a little bit of money aside, and I tried really, really hard to stay out of credit card debt. But as my income increased, so did my living expenses. And I decided to upgrade my cars. And I decided to upgrade my living situation, right? And there's like a term that's used. It's like this lifestyle creep, right? It just sort of like creeps up on you or lifestyle inflation, right? The more money you make, the more money you want to spend. Yes, And it wasn't until I received this earning statement, which everybody can get, actually, you could just go to the Social Security Administration, and there's a button and you can apply for a free account, and it'll give you your earnings report. And it had all of the money that I had ever made, even that like summer job in summer youth, back when I was like 20, you know, when I was like 14 years old. And so I remember getting this earning statement, they used to mail them out now because you can go online and sort of print it out for free. 
Um, they don't really mail them out anymore. But I remember receiving mine in the mail. And I remember adding up all of the money that I had made. And I was like, wow, what that can't be right. Like, <laughs> that can't possibly be right. It was sort of this realization that I had made money in my life and I had nothing to show for it. Wow. I like sort of sat around and realized, wow, like where did all that money go? And in my mind, I was like pretty frugal. Like I didn't go and buy expensive handbags and I didn't go and spend, you know, money at five-star restaurants. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But in my mind, I'm like, but I don't spend a lot of money. And obviously that couldn't be true because <laughs> I didn't really have any money from the money that I had made. So I spent my 20s living paycheck to paycheck. And it wasn't until I realized that I was missing something. I was like, wait a minute. So this is how life is. Like you make money, you spend money, and then you make money and you got to work for it. And you do this like rinse and repeat for the next 5, 10, 20, 35 years of your life. And that was where I realized, okay, I need to be doing something differently. And that was sort of where my journey to financial wellness and wealth building sort of began. Wow. You know, I, I, I can relate to you with this story because when I was in college, I, I was one of those people who were, who um, I didn't like go out and spend money crazy on all kinds of things. Just like you said, you didn't, you know, go buy expensive purses and all that. You know, I did my own manicures. I didn't go out and do all of that. But the mistake I made was my first year in college. They had this big career day um, and they had all these vendors and everyone and the credit card companies were there. Mm. And they would tell you how easy it was to get a credit card. You only have to pay $10 a month and it would be great to just have a card. So that if something happened to you, you have some money, you know, your plastic, you'll be able to get it. You won't be, you know, um, stranded or anything. And it sounded great. The first <laughs> mistake was, I should have paid attention to all of those credit card companies. They were out there. I mean, they were like calling you over, like, come, come, come. And I went. I had store credit cards to um, fashionable, all these stores. And then I went and I got a major credit card. Now, the reasoning I told myself to get it was just in case, you know, if your car breaks down. Mm. Or something in your house needs to be fixed. That credit card became your emergency fund. Yes. And it was more than that. Because <laughs> if something came up and I'm like, oh, I don't really have the cash. I really can't do it. But the credit card, I can use that. And I'll just pay it off when I get paid. So I was using it to do fun things. If someone said, let's go to the amusement park. Now, remind you, I'm in college. I'm young. I'm like, okay, I'll get the ticket on my car. And then when I get paid, I'll pay that plus whatever the fee is. You know, that never happened. Mm -hmm. So I had gotten so far in debt that one day I could not pay my car note. And I had to call my father. Mm -hmm. If you have ever had to call your parents and ask for money and you had parents like mine, let me tell you, it was horrible. My dad told me to add up all of my bills. 
everything and then come to his house because my parents are divorced and come to his house and he wanted them all written out. And I did that. I went to his house. Let me tell you, I felt like I was in court. I said that I was so scared. I literally sat in the living room and I was waiting for my dad to come out. And he said, how much is it? How much is it? And I told him and he looked at me and he said, what? I got the speech of life and I, I literally sat there and I took it because I felt like I needed, I had to take it because I felt like I had just done so much damage. My dad walks down the hall he comes back and he is just counting off the money to pay all of my credit cards off. And that's exactly what he did. However, that one credit card I told you about, the major one, I kept it because by that time I had an apartment and I still had my car. And I'm thinking, I don't want to have to come to my dad again. So I'm going to keep this card, but this time I'm going to be smart. And that's exactly what I was. Mm-hmm. I did. I paid the card off. Number one, because I didn't want to go through what I had just gone through with my dad. And number two, having all those cars and realizing how much money that I had spent and only paying $10 a month, that balance never went down. The balance never went down. It just continuously went up with the interest. And so that is my, <laughs> my story. It is it was horrible. I say for anyone who's in college, don't fall for it. Those credit cards are horrible. So while it, if someone like me, back when I was in my 20s or when you were in your 20s and they came to you today and they said to you, I'm in credit card debt, what can I do? What would you say to them? Yeah, I think one of the things that people sort of underestimate is getting out of debt just to get out of debt isn't necessarily the motivating factor, right? It's enough to maybe get you started, but isn't going to be enough to have you stay there until the very end, especially if it's not just credit card debt, right? We're talking about people who walk away with student loans of 50, 75, dollars mm. $200,000, right? How do you stay motivated to pay down that debt when every single year that those balances get a little bit higher, right? So that Mm -hmm. is the effect of compounding interest. And I will say one of the things for me was when I realized that I had made that much money in my, you know, sort of in my lifetime and I didn't really have anything to show for it, I knew that I had to be doing something different. And it was like right around that time, I was in a career that I really, really enjoyed, but the work environment became a little toxic. Mm -hmm. and I was just like I just want to quit and I was like I can't (laughs) quit because how am I going to pay my bills and it was like that feeling of being stuck right Mm -hmm. like I didn't have a choice but to like keep being there um in order to pay my bills like yes of course I was looking for like other jobs and things like this but it was still like not easy it's not easy to like leave a um a steady paycheck something that's like guaranteed at that point to just like get up and leave, right? And that was another realization that I had that I was just like, I am stuck here, right? I'm like 
stuck in this situation. And that's the same sort of thought that we want to have when we're thinking about credit cards or any type of debt. And I really say credit cards because with credit cards, the credit cards tend to have higher interest. Mm -hmm. And so those balances increase and double way faster than something like, uh, you know, a home mortgage, right, that might have interest yeah. rate of three, four or 5%. And so when we have those balances increasing, it feels like we're not making any progress, right? Like, you have, you know, how many times it's like, oh, I have a target credit card, I only spent $500. Why is my balance 650? Why is it $1,000? Or I only took out $25,000 of student loan debt. Why is my you know, my student yeah. loan balance right there at 30,000. And I think that yes, getting out of debt is great. But for most people, it isn't enough to sort of um, just say I want to get out of debt, like just saying I want to get out of debt for the sake of getting out of debt isn't freeing enough or isn't motivating enough. Really, what I help my clients do when we're working with coaching is to really think about what is it that you want, right? right. People, it's not like, they walk around saying, I want to be debt free. People walk around saying, I want to wake up in the morning and not be thinking about money. I want to wake up in the morning and feel peace. I don't want to have to worry about my home being taken away from me because I can't afford the mortgage. I don't want my car to be repossessed. I want to be able to travel and go and explore the world or go visit a loved one because mm -hmm. I have the money and can like hop in a car or hop on a plane to do that. I want to go see my best friend get married in Jamaica. I want to go to my niece's, you know, recital in Florida, like whatever those, that is what we want to be thinking about mm -hmm. is getting out of debt for the sake of getting out of debt is cool. Like that's a great place to start, but really what is it that you want? And what people tend to want is not feeling like they're stuck right? It's feeling like they are going to have freedom. It's feeling that they have that security blanket, that safety net. Um, so that if something happens, and they lose their job, they don't have to worry about debt collectors calling yes. and sending letters. And so when people come to me, and they say they want to be debt free, I'm like, great. Why? And I think that is the better question to ask, right? It's like, why? What is it that you really want? I, I like to say, like, I help my clients, you know, sure, we look at the numbers, but really it's design a life that they want. And we're just using money as a tool to get there. And that is a better way and a more motivating way and sort of has more long-term thinking than just, I want to get out of debt. Like, that's great. Or even somebody who's like, oh, I want to save my first thousand dollars. Like, okay, cool. But like, then what? Like, what do you want those $1,000 to do for you? Or I want to save my first 10,000 or my first 100,000. It's like, okay, great. Like, that's awesome. But then what? What is it so that you, you want that money to do for you? So in essence, you're saying, what is the goal? So yeah. what is your goal? When you save that $1,000, what is your goal? Now, one of the things that I did, um, I started to do, um, and it is, I, I continue to do it. Um, I would always round up in my checkbook. So whatever I paid or debit or whatever, in my mind, I always round it up. And if it was, let's say, $19 in two cents, it was $20. And I did that with every transaction, every bill that I paid, because I wanted to figure out something that I can do that I can save money but and not touch it and just just have a blanket. 
And I did that. And let me tell you, I lost my job. And when I went and I looked, I had $3,000 saved that way. And that was a cushion that I had to help me until I find a, found another job. And I, I, I gave myself kudos because I actually did something and it worked. Now, it may not be the way that, you know, someone else would say to do it, but it was something that I, I, I was like, I got to do something. I need to have a safety net. So what is something that you would suggest? I mean, like I said, I was just, I'm not financial background, but I <laughs> needed something and I just made that up and I just did it. So what is something that you would suggest to help someone? You know, my goal was to have a nest so that I wouldn't bounce a check. So that if anything came up, I had a cushion and I wouldn't have to use my credit card, which I got rid of, mm -hmm. you know, so what would you suggest? Yeah, I think one of the things to really sort of think about first is to really understand how much money are you really bringing home? Because if you make, if you have a $75,000 a year salary, you're not bringing home 75000 right? Absolutely. So we want to really, really understand how much are we bringing home and then to divide your expenses in these three categories. One is your essential expenses. Okay. This is keeping a roof over your head, the lights on, food on the table, gas in the tank, mm -hmm. right? Pay your car note. Like the most essential things that if you lost your job, you're like, okay, I need to make sure these things are covered. Okay. So really understand what your essential expenses are. And then think about what are some of those things in your life that it's not absolutely necessary, but they just bring you joy. Maybe it's getting a manicure. Maybe it's getting your hair done. Maybe it's getting a massage. Maybe it's therapy. Maybe it's, you know, getting that morning Starbucks, whatever it is, right? I don't have any judgments. I tell my clients all of the time, I don't care how you spend your money. Like I really don't. Only you can decide what's important to you. What tends to happen is that we have these like wallet leaks. And I'll give you an example of a wallet leak. That's going to Target for laundry detergent and toilet paper and leaving with laundry detergent, toilet paper, <laughs> candles, pillows, a nice shirt, a pair of pajamas, right? Like, and then we just start spending. And then we say, oh, but I don't spend a lot of money, right? And it's because we have these wallet leaks. I was even guilty of this, of like going to the doctor so I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy four things from the dollar and I should leave there under spending under $5. And I would like find this for a dollar and that for a dollar. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I've spent 20. And so I really started noticing that I was having these wallet leaks, right? I would say, okay, today I'm, I made my own lunch. I don't have to buy lunch. I don't have to, I, there's gas in the car. I don't have to spend any money. And I remember trying to do that for several days and every single day I found a way to spend money, whether it was going to the vending machine, whether it was, oh, I don't want to eat, you know, what I brought, right, for, lunch, brought for lunch, right? Yeah. Oh, I went to the pharmacy to pick up medication and I see this book that I want to buy, right? So it was like really becoming aware. And so, you know, there is a lot of different systems that people can use and I I'm reluctant to sort of say, do it this way, because I think it's really personal, right? As you mentioned, what worked for you was sort of like that keep the change sort of um, <laughs> situation, right? Round up. Where it's like you round up and it gets put into a savings account. That's awesome. Some people like having, um, there's so many great iPhone apps and Android apps that will help you budget and track. There's people who are spreadsheet nerds, right? So really what we want to do is find a system that's going to help you become aware. 
that's all we want to do. And okay. whether that's using an app or every day at the end of the day, you're looking at your credit card and debit card transaction or doing it once a week. We really just want to become aware and find a system that's going to work for you. And I've given you some example of ways to do that, right? There's some people who walk around with like a pen and paper or put it in their iPhone, you know, in their um, phone app, right? And like, okay, this is where I spend my money today. But really dividing your income into those different categories so that you know what your expenses are. So we talked about your essential expenses. Right. We talked about the wants. And then the last thing is savings. And savings can be a very broad category because many of us will have one account and we put everything in there. But right. then when I ask, okay, well, how much of that is for travel? How much of that is for like Christmas? Right. How oh. much of that is for an emergency? Like we know the the tire is going to blow out one day. Right. How much of that is for a home repair? Right. And then we're like, oh, I don't know. I mean, all of it. And I think really getting crystal clear about what it is that you're saving for is important because saving for emergencies, for those things that we don't want to spend money on, but we know it's going to happen, right? It's going to be the life fund, right? That emergency fund. Yeah. We're going to need that money. But we also, if we have a car, we know that there's going to be car maintenance issues or home maintenance issues. And if you have a family or forget if you have a family, you could be single and still want to travel. Like what about that travel fund, Right. Or maybe like those Beyonce tickets or, you know, like yeah. that concert you want to go to. So it's like really understand like not only in the short term, like what are those things that is coming up in the next three, six, 12 months, but also like, okay, what is going to be happening in the next couple of years? Maybe it's planning for a wedding, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it is planning for retirement. So really thinking about your essential expenses, those things that you're going to want, but also those things that you're going to need, right? So sit down and make a category of every time you spend money, where is that money going in what bucket? Now, notice how I said your essential expenses, mm -hmm. your wants, and then the things that you, that you want to save for the future, right? That savings bucket. I challenge everybody to pay yourself first. Yes. And paying yes. yourself first doesn't mean the manicure or the hair. Right. It means saving for those true goals that you have and to do that first. And that is one of the easiest ways to do it, right? Because guess what? Uncle Sam and taxes, they get their <laughs> money first. They do. Absolutely. Before you get paid, right? And so if we're so invested in paying the mortgage company and the cell phone company and the cable company and the electricity company and the gas company, why can we also have ourselves as an essential expense? So I think the pay yourself first mentality really is what begins to transform us. Cause so many times we'll say, you know what, I'm going to, I need to pay all these bills and then I'm going to go live life. And then whatever's left over, I'm going to save. Yeah. How many times is there money left over? <laughs> Right. And it's I don't know so about true. you, Valeria, so but I'm going to tell you, I could justify a purchase. I could justify a purchase. <laughs> right. I could be like, yes, I need to buy these leather boots today because yes. they are on sale and I'm never going to find them. I could justify a purchase. But if just like Uncle Sam, OK, and taxes get taken out and health insurance get taken out, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make sure that Wally is going to be taken care of. Right. And this is not just talking about Wally 
20 years from now, but also like Wally three months from now, right? When that thing comes up that I want to do, when I get the phone call that my girlfriends want to do a getaway, when I get that phone call that I want to go visit someone, that I have that money taken care of. So that those are sort of my my um my simple steps that you can do. Pay yourself first understand where your income is coming from and truly how much money you're you're bringing home and also how much money is actually going out and making sure that that money that is going out reflects what you value, right? Back in the day, if somebody looked at my debit card and credit card transactions, what it would the story that it would tell people is that I valued clothes and shoes. Yeah. And I really didn't. I wasn't like a fashionista. But that was where I was spending all of my money. And I was like, you know, what I truly value is actually, I really like traveling and I want to spend less money on clothes and shoes, but mm-hmm. I want to spend more money traveling and really to make sure that you're aligning your spending with what you value most. I love all of that. That was a lot. So I'm going to go back and I have to re-listen to this. <laughs> Trust me, because I'm going to have to go edit it. And then I'm going to have to literally sit down with a pen and pad because I jotted down something you said because I wanted to remember it because it's so good. But one of the takeaways that I have um, from it, and I just want to uh, see how it sounds to you, is that it sounds like when we get to the savings part of it, that you put a name on whatever it it is. Like, for instance, if you want to go on that trip, that saving is for the trip. If you want to um, buy those boots, that money that you're saving is for the boots, which is your personal, what you're paying yourself with or whatever. So it's it's really good if you put a name on it, that way you know the money is going versus just saying, it's in my savings account, everything's in my savings account. Is that a good way of looking at it? Yes, it's naming your dollars. I okay. have a client, she named Great. her emergency fund. She named her emergency fund, do not touch unless you're dying fund. She literally loved that term because it was like, unless I am dying and something like a tragedy is happening, I'm not going to touch this money. Because think about it. Imagine you're saving for a trip to Hawaii, but then you see those leather boots just because we're talking Mm -hmm. about them. And you're like, dang, am I going to touch the do not touch unless you're dying fund or am I going to touch the Hawaii fund? Hey, friends, it's me, Miss V, the storyteller. Did you know that I offer online classes and one-on-one consulting to help with branding and business owners to use the gift of storytelling to increase revenue and clients? For more information, visit my website at MissVTheStoryteller at GoDaddySites.com. All right, friends, I'll see you in class or one-on-one. Bye. Right? And it's like, uh, yeah, I have to make a decision. Right. I have to make a decision. Am I going to take from one dream to put it into something else? And it's okay, right? This is it's totally fine to want to, to, um, to spend money on those wants. But the difference is making an intentional decision, right? And saying, you know what? I'm going to take money from my Hawaii vacation and I'm going to buy the leather boots with it versus, oh, I'm just going to take money from savings. I, I'm, I'm, I was saving it for something. Yeah, right? I love that. I love that naming it because I'm one of those people like you, um, when I was doing the um, rounding up, that was my cushion fund. 
because I almost bounced a check one time and I was traumatized by all the things when I got this letter in the mail and all this I was like what because I had never did it in the past so I started to round up just so that I would have a cushion and it became such a habit that I just didn't pay attention and when my statements came in I didn't look at the balance I just checked off everything that I spent to make sure and so that, but another thing I wanted to ask you, because this is so good. I mean, I know my <laughs> listeners are like, oh my God, I love this lady because I am loving this. <laughs> it's about having more than one account. Now I have more than one account. And the reason for it is this one account, the bank is farther away. I don't have like the debit and all that stuff. So if I need to get money out of, it is an effort to go and get it. And that would be like my savings. So I can't touch it. I refuse to get a debit card from it. You know, I'm like, it's it's savings. I don't need it, you know, whatever. But they was like, well, man, we have to give you something. You have to be able to get to the money. You know, well, let's say the bank is closed. How are you going to get to an emergency, whatever, whatever. So I got it, but I hid it from myself. So if I take the effort to go and get the card and then I have to drive to the ATM, the bank, yeah. that's giving me time to think about, do you really need to go here? So what do you think about having multiple banking accounts, you know, instead of having everything at one bank, but maybe one, two, three accounts at that same bank, what do you think about having different banks? Yeah. So again, I really think personal finances is personal. So I, I, I don't like to be prescriptive and say everybody should do this. But it is, this is an option and it's an option that I really love, right? If you have a checking account with Chase, you don't want to have a savings account with Chase. Right. Because what do we tend to do when that checking account gets a little low? It's easy to do a transfer. Yes. Right? And so what we want to do is what you've said, Valeria, which is making saving money as easy as possible, but making it an inconvenience, uh, inconvenience to actually access. Right. And so if you have a checking account at Chase, then you want a, a savings account at a high yield bank. Right. You want to have it in a different bank. Number one, Chase, Wells Fargo and Bank of America tend to have like the lowest interest rates. So that bank, those banks are not going to give you any money anyways. So really choose <laughs> a high interest uh earning account. Right. And there's so many you can just like Google it. It's called the high yield savings account. And basically, these are banks that they will give you four or 5% on your money, right? So yeah. when we think about that. It's like my money is making money for me. And it's an easy way to sort of think about it. So having your che your your checking account and your savings account at different institutions is something that I really recommend, mainly for a little bit of inconvenience, right? Because mm -hmm. then, you, like you said, you have to like get in the car and actually like go to it. And it's not that you can't access your money. And now with like bank transfers, like you could do bank to bank transfers online. Like you don't even have to go to the bank, right? But it still takes a couple of days, right? Before it used to take like five or six days. Like now it's like 48 hours. So you still have access to the money, but it's just another step, right? It gives you a little pause. Like, do I really want to, you know, go into my savings account and put money into my checking account? Now, the second piece to that is, well, Wally, you mentioned having naming your dollars, right? And mm -hmm. naming where you put the savings account. So like, how do you do that? 
So yeah, there's some people who have four different savings accounts. Yeah. They have one that it's an emergency fund. One is a travel fund. One is a holiday fund. One is a maybe home renovation fund, right? So you can have different savings accounts and people, please, there are so many banks that have fee-free yes. accounts. Do yes. not go put money into an account that's going to charge you five, six, ten dollars just to keep your money yes. there. Like it is not necessary. Okay. But so you can have multiple savings accounts and all of the savings accounts can be at one bank. So, right. If you have your checking account at Chase, for example, and then have all of your savings account, maybe at a credit union or at a high yield savings account, you can have four or five accounts. Now, I do not get paid for this. I wish they had an affiliate link, <laughs> but the banks that I use and the one that I recommend the most because they have something called the savings bucket is one called Ally Bank. And it's spelled A-L-L-Y. Okay. Oh, yeah. Your fans. Yeah. I have it. Yes. So I love Ally <laughs> Bank. Number one, if you're looking for a, a savings account with high interest, Ally Bank has it. And number two, you can have one savings account, but have so many different buckets. I think you could have like 20 different buckets. And I love that. I love being able to see, okay, how much do I have total in savings? But and then how much do I have in every single one of my different goals or in every single one of my different savings buckets or categories? And that is another way to do it, right? So really what we want to do is just make sure that we're not just lumping all the money together, right? Like all of your paycheck that goes into your checking account, that's not all bill money, right? right? Some of that goes to paying the mortgage. Some of that goes to paying the light. Some of that goes to paying for your mani-pedi, right? But it's really making sure that we have um, some sort of framework to make sure that our savings goals, all of our savings goals are being met. And as I mentioned, I like Ally Bank, but it doesn't have to be that. There's so many different banks, savings accounts that will give you a high earning interest rate that don't charge you a fee for keeping your money mm -hmm. in there. And you can have multiple of those accounts. Which is good because it's an online bank for me. It's like an online banking and I, I do, I really love it. But before we go, because I just want to um, just touch a little bit on this particular subject about investing. You know, for someone who's never invested before, who doesn't know anything about it, what would be like a, a tidbit or um, some kind of way you could, you know, let us, what do we do first? You know, how do we get into investing? I love this question because if you would have asked me in my 20s, if I was going to be an investor, I would have said, no, that's no. gambling right? Well, I didn't know the difference between going to Atlantic City or Las Vegas and like money in the stock market. To me, it was just gambling. And I will say there are some people who call themselves investors and all they're doing is speculating and gambling. So there is yeah. a way to do that, right? But what we want to be is strategic investors. And I'm, I say those words and it still sounds like, oh, that's, it sounds like a lot of hard work. The easiest place to start investing Okay, the easiest place to start investing is to make sure you are using your 401k at work. Yes. Like it's boring. <laughs> it's not sexy. It's not the hot stock tip, but it is the easiest way to begin investing. And if you're like, well, I don't have a 401k, well, I'll give you uh, some other things to look for. So some people may, especially if you work for like a city or state government or a school or a nonprofit, you might have access to something called a 403B. Mm -hmm. So you want to ask about that. 
or if you work in the government, right? If you're military or um, a, a civilian um, public worked in the public sector, you might have access to something called a thrift savings plan. But all of those things, right? All of these acronyms, a 403B, a 401K, a TSP, they are just workplace retirement accounts. Mm -hmm. So if you have a traditional job, if you are where you have a W-2 job, one of the things that you want to look for is to see if your workplace offers retirement benefits. So that's like the first and easiest place to start. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest mistakes that I see people doing is they're like, oh, some of my paycheck goes into my 401k. Well, it's a two-step process. Having the contributions taken out is number one. Make sure that money is actually being invested because mm -hmm. this was one of the biggest mistakes that I made. I was contributing to my 401k and I did not realize because nobody told me what a 401k was and how it worked <laughs> and how to use it was that you have to make sure that that money is being invested. Now, let's say, for example, you're a freelancer, contractor, 1099, self-employed. You don't have access to a 401k. Then another um, investment vehicle that you could look for is something called a Roth IRA mm -hmm. or a traditional IRA. And they, they are similar in that they will help you save and invest for retirement but they're different in when you receive the tax benefits, right? And they each have some disadvantages and um, some really great advantages. So you want to see and work with a professional to see which one best fits for you. But everybody can start by investing and saving. Uh, and I'm going to say investing um, for the long term for retirement um, through workplace retirement accounts or through individual retirement accounts. That is the easiest place to start. If you don't have those things set up, I don't want to hear about your Robinhood account. <laughs> I don't want to hear about <laughs> cryptocurrency. Like really start there. Yes. Oh, I love that you said at, at the very um, end that you talked about because there are so many things out there that, they, you know, well, creatively trying to steal your money and take your money. <laughs> You know, because I am so sick about this Bitcoin. I'm like, this is when I look at Bitcoin and I don't even know really a lot about it. But to me, if it's not tangible and I can't put it in my hand, I'm going to let you all these new millennials and all that. I'm going to let y'all just rock with it for a little bit and see how it goes. Because <laughs> I, I, I think about when I went, I went to Las Vegas and I went to one of these time sharing things. And the main reason I went to is because I wanted these these free tickets to a comedy show so they was like oh we have the free tickets you just come sit i went and i listened to this whole spiel i spent four hours out of my life that i cannot oh get back goodness. and they were trying to sell me a timeshare but it was no there was no place you mm -hmm. would it's just rooms in different place so i like my house i can come home this is my home I don't have a, a physical time share. I can just get rooms all over. And I'm looking at the man like, people really do this? You, yeah. I, I don't have like a, 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 I'm just, I'm buying a room. I'm renting a room. I was like, let me shut it down. So when Bitcoin came out, I'm like, I need some tangible. I need some I can put in my hand. I need a key. I need something, a, you know, like a little piece of plastic. I can stick in something and get money out, whatever. So, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. And 
And I, I will say, I am not anti-cryptocurrency. Right. But what I am is in prioritizing what's most important, right? And it's okay to maybe do more speculative or risky investments. But if you're doing that before you're saving and investing mm -hmm. for your first home or for real estate or, you know, for real estate investments or your retirement investments or your kid's college fund, then we got to really make sure you're not really prioritizing what, what the, it's again, it's not sexy, but it's the tried and true way that people build wealth, right? There's three ways you can build wealth. You can build wealth through the stock market. You can build wealth through real estate and you can build wealth through entrepreneurship. Those are the three tried and true ways. Now, of course, Real estate has so many different ways, right? Because you have Airbnbs, you got short-term right. rentals, you could have mm -hmm. a, a, a trailer park, you can have a mobile home park, like, you know, apartment building, commercial, residential, but really it's real estate, stock market, and entrepreneurship. Those are the tried and true ways and really focus on the things that are tried and true. And again, there's nothing wrong with doing the more speculative market, mm -hmm. but if you're prioritizing that first before what we know has a long-standing history, like cryptocurrency hasn't been around for a while. It's very interesting to me. I yeah. think it's probably the wave of the future, but I'm not going to invest my future there yet. And maybe I'll regret it. Maybe when I'm 65, I'll be like, man, I wish I would have. But I know that I, the, the tried and true way, you know what that's going to give me? Comfort and security. Mm -hmm. And that's what I prefer. Well, the way that I see it, based on what you just said, which I, I process it this way, you could name one of your account crypto and you can just put money there and just use it for that. But making sure that you're taking care of those other ones, they are top priority. And this would be, okay, Bitcoin investment or crypto or whatever. Oh, I mm -hmm. love all of this. Wiley, you have just really opened my eyes to a whole lot. I thought I knew some things, but you've kind of helped me put more into perspective. So I know that you, you know, you're a financial advisor, you help people. So please tell us if someone is listening and they have a question or they want to connect with you, please share with us where we can do it. Well, again, thank you once again for inviting me and having me here on the podcast. I really appreciate it. My name is Wally Miller. You can find me at financiallythriving.com. I offer one-on-one -on -one financial coaching. I am different than a financial advisor because I don't sell investments. I don't manage your money for you. And I don't sell insurance, okay? Which we could have a whole different conversation about <laughs> insurance. Um, but I don't do those things. Really, it's really about focusing first on what's important important to you. And I think people will come to me to gain control of their finances, start managing uh, their money better, really understanding. Um, and of course, we deal with the numbers, but so much of it is the mindset, right? Mm -hmm. I would have, I never believed that I could build wealth. So it was something that I didn't even look for. And I first had to believe that it was accessible to me and possible for me. And once I believed that, then I was able to stick to the plan. And so, you know, yes, I'm not trying to get all woo woo here, but it's so important <laughs> to really understand, like you have to believe 
that you that that it is possible for you and i'm not talking about you know i don't like using the word rich so much and i'm i actually need to figure out why that is cuz i think there might be some limiting beliefs of like what rich is yeah but i remember for me when i defined wealth i was like oh that's like an old man smoking a cigar in a velvet robe right <laughs> and i was like you no, like her. right it was like no i had to define what a wealthy life was and some of that did consist of money but most of that was relational. And so if you find yourself like making more money this year than you did last year, and you still feel like you're struggling and you still feel like you're in that paycheck to paycheck cycle, then you definitely want to reach out to me and let's work together. And I have some clients that are totally debt free. And then I also have clients who have $200,000 of student loan, credit Uh. card debt, and working with that. And so the, the issues are they might look different, but it's like the same smell, right? It's still the same thing. It's really gaining control, refocusing, and then setting a plan to what the goals are. So I will make sure that I have ways to contact you in the description. But one of the things that I like about you is that you're more organic. You know, you're organic, organic. When you um, talk about Um, finances and everything because you don't push things on us you kind of help us to figure out our own individual plan or way of doing things without trying to push and say you need to do it this way so I think my listeners are going to really gravitate to you because nobody wants to feel bad or be told you have to do this but they just want a little bit of guidance a little bit of nourishment and a little bit of care and a little bit of advice so I feel like that's what you would do for them so you guys if you you know, you need to know some things about finances, please, you know, go in the description and click on and find her, shoot her an email and let's support her. So thank you again for being here. Like I said, you have just really helped me out and I am going to re-listen after I edit because when I'm edit, I'm not in the mindset and listen and take notes because I really want to start doing better. I'm, I have some things in, st- in process, but I want to do better. So thank you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. I am so excited that you took the time to listen. I pray that these stories or something we have said will make you think about your story and how it has impacted your life. If you like what you hear, please share. Don't keep a good thing to yourself. Subscribe and support. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn at Miss V the Storyteller. All right, friends. Thanks for listening. Bye.